<laughs> um, y'all, y'all stay in constant prayer for our pastor. Um, he, he, he's been struggling with his Lyme disease recently a lot more than normal. Um, that's why I'm here. Um, I'm, I'm trying to fill a little man's very, very big shoes. Um, and it's, it's not the easiest thing in the world to do. He, he, he serves us all in, in very unfathomable ways. He is, he is a great under-shepherd. Uh, and, and we all need to make sure that we all let them know how much we appreciate him and, and miss him. All right, y'all. We are going to be in Romans most of the time I speak. I'm going to jump into Psalms a few times. And I might say a few things that catch y'all off guard. I kind of hope it does, but that's just how I am. I like throwing people off. It's, it's the way I roll. Um, what if I told y'all there's no such thing as atheists? Only truth um, suppressors. What if I told you that the question of what happens to all those people in the world that have never heard the name Jesus... What happens to all those people that have never heard the gospel? What if I told you the answer paints that picture very clearly? And I almost guarantee every single person in this room has asked that question at least once in their faith. What if I told you God says he has given sufficient knowledge to every I'm sorry. What if I told you God says he has given sufficient knowledge and even truly unrefutable evidence of his existence and even knowledge of many of his attributes and characteristics to every single human being to know what it's like to borrow a breath of air from that God? You might say, hold up, PJ. Hold up. I know a bunch of atheists. You might have some friends that profess to be atheists. I would say you might know or still be knowing some people who profess to be an atheist. But let's face it, we live in a day and age where there's many people, uh, men professing to be women and women professing to be men, that doesn't make it so. The word atheist is a, is a Latin compound word. Um, it's the prefix a, um, pronounced aw. Um, it means no or without. Okay? And theist comes from the word theo, uh, meaning God. It's a Latin word for God. Uh, to profess to be an atheist is you saying straight up, I have no God. Or I am without God. But let's face it. Whether you believe in God, whether you think God exists, whether, whether you have all this scientific theory all in your head, that you think that the theory of evolution proves that there is no God, that it all happened at maybe a Big Bang or, or something like that, that doesn't change the facts. It just doesn't. 
friends, it is illogical, impossible. If we start from any Christian perspective, does God need your permission to be God? Does your disbelief in that God change anything? The biblical God is nothing like uh, those mythical gods we learned about in school, um, in, in Greek mythology, or, or some of you like to study other religions like I did before I was a, a, a Christian. Um, all those gods have origin stories like our Marvel characters. Some of the Greek gods were, were literally vomit out, vomited out by a falcon. That's matter-creating matter. Um, one of the oldest religions in history is, is Hinduism. You'll have a Hindu tell you, well, no, hold up. Your religion's not even as old as my religion. Well, their supreme deity is Krishna. Krishna was said to be birthed by Mother Earth. That's matter creating matter. That's not a God that we, we, we can believe in. That doesn't even make sense. Turning your Bibles to Romans chapter 1. And I'm going to start at verse 18. This book of Romans, I know mo most of you know, Romans is like, if you want to know some theology, <laughs> if you want to understand um, some really big things, Romans is really good about just breaking it down. That question I said a while ago, what if, what if I said that the answer to what happens to all those people that never heard the gospel, that never heard the name of Jesus, I mean, I can almost guarantee that every single person in this room at some point in time goes, well, what about them? They didn't even have a chance. Well, Romans 1, starting at verse 18, answers that very clearly. It says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them for His invisible attributes, namely His eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly, you'll see that, clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world. In the things that have been made, so they are, what? Do they have an excuse? They have zero excuses. For although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give Him thanks to Him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. 
I want you guys to say something with me, okay? Are y'all ready? Are y'all ready to repeat back? <laughs> you cannot suppress. Oh, I'm sorry, I said it wrong. Suppr- to suppress truth, you must already possess truth. Can y'all say that? To suppress truth, you must already possess truth. Scripture says they possess that truth, and they hold it back. Verse 19, how did, they, how, did, how did they get to that knowledge? How did they possess that knowledge? How did they get that truth? Verse 19, it says, For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. Verse 20, For His invisible attributes... I like that part. What's invisible mean? You you can't see it. You can't see it, right? All right. Invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world. In the things that have been made. So why is it invisible? Because you can't see God. Can't see him. No one's seen God. Scripture is very clear. No one has seen God except for Christ. No one. He said, No one that has seen God except for the one who ascended and descended. Who's that? Jesus. <laughs> Can we see something if it's invisible? I mean, does invisibly mean without? Visibility, just like atheist means no or without God. That's what it means. But are these attributes, these attributes of God, are those invisible? No. It says his divine power. Those pagan deities, they had to take matter to make matter. That's not our God. Those gods, they defy logic. They defy reason. They defy all of that. Um, Turning your Bibles real quick over to Psalm 8. I'm going to read verses 3 and 4. It says, When I look to your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you should care for him. Invisible attributes. Can, can you see God? No. No one has seen God except for Jesus. But you can see his handiwork. Can you see what he has already done? Yes. We look at creation. We see there is a creator. 
We sit looking up in awe and amazement. We can see many of God's attributes specifically through his creation. Um, my youth kids know that, and some of y'all have shared it with y'all too, one of my favorite names for God. What's that? El Shaddai. El Shaddai. One of the first places it's mentioned in Scripture is Jacob standing at the base of a mountain. And I always think, it, I really always think of this because Corey, uh, we, when we used to go to Quest Ranch, there's this, there's this spot around the, around the horseshoe uh, that we, we go tubing in, and it's just this big, massive cliff. And you look at that, and you're like, whoa, that's just crazy. But the idea is El Shaddai can be translated uh, in many ways. Some, most places in your, in your Bible, it's translated God Most High. But its literal translation is God of the mountaintops. Um, Jacob is standing at the base of a mountain, and he's looking up, and he goes, Oh, El Shaddai, God Most High, God that made that. Out of nothing. He created all things from nothing, but the word of his mouth. He said, let there be light, and there was light. Genesis 1.1 said, in the beginning, God created the heavens and earth. Then we go over a little bit, and it tells us how he did it. He just spoke it. That's, that's, that's unfathomable, that, that people can call themselves atheists and defy logic and reason. They... they they deny their own scientific reasoning. You can't have a mover. Try. The first law of thermodynamics, okay? Get, get scientific on y'all real quick. <laughs> All right? You have to have something to move something for it to happen, right? For that to happen. You need something that stands outside of time, space, and matter. Guess what? The biblical God, the God of Scripture, is all of that. Anything else that you have ever heard of any deity in all history is nothing like that. They've done exactly what, what back in, go back to Rome, uh, Romans 1 real quick. I have a bad habit of jumping out my notes, but it'll be all right. <laughs> when it's time to preach, it's time to preach. Uh, <laughs> verse 22. Claiming to be wise, they became what? Fools. And exchange the glory of the immortal God for, for images resembling mortal man. And birds and animals and creeping things.
Friends, the God of the Bible is unlike anything that we could even fathom to create. He's nothing. Yes, we are created in His image, but guess what? He is nothing like you and I. He has attributes that He communicates, like His personhood. You know, one of the ways, even outside of Scripture, that we know that God has personhood? Because He communicates personally. He gave us Scripture. He had to think to create. There are so many things that we, we can look at creation and go, God contains these attributes. Here's one that y'all might like. Think of the number in infinite. Think of ever. Think of eternity. Is it a number or a concept? It's a concept. Can you take infinity from infinity? What happens to infinity if you take five away? Still infinity. That's a descriptive of God's eternality. He must stand outside of time to create time itself. It, it all just is woven so close together that you have to understand that the logic, the reason, everything around you points to the God of Scripture. Scripture paints a picture of an eternal God. God that stands outside of time, space, matter. An eternal person. An eternal creator. Everything Scripture clearly puts, there is common knowledge. Scripture paints it and makes it, makes it more vibrant to us. We can, we can understand it because of Romans 1. But we, we get confused because we take our experience and, and, and people go, well, there is no God. I don't believe in God. Scripture says you do. This right here must be the standard that we stand upon. Any other time... It's your opinion against my opinion. And you know who's wrong in that? You are. No, I'm just joking. I'm usually wrong. <laughs> I'll admit it this once. Um, <laughs> um, God is the standard. Our, our, our understanding wouldn't even make sense. Language would not make sense if it wasn't the God of this Bible. I've talked to Mormons that, that they, they all say they, they believe in Jesus, right? They cannot believe in the same Jesus as us. They, their, their understanding of Jesus, Jesus is a created being. He came about through the fornication of Father God with Mary. That's a created being. Father God's not even the ultimate God in Mormonism. That sounds a whole lot like Greek mythology to me. But when you're talking to a Mormon, I think Amanda will testify to this. When you're talking to a Mormon, they use a lot of the same exact language we use. 
they'll say grace. Do they mean the same thing we mean? Man is nope. <laughs> Language only makes sense if we stand to the foundation. We cannot understand a thing in life if the God of Scripture is not real. The logic collapses upon itself. The reason collapses upon itself. Friends, there is no such thing as an atheist. Only truth suppressors. But I guess the big question then is, why do they suppress the truth? Why do they suppress it so adamantly? Why does there seem to be so many truth suppressors and so few of us truth professors? Go back up to verse 18. It says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. All right, here's the answer. Who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Um, Unrighteousness is not just... um, not just an action. It's a state of being. You can go all through Scripture and God will declare some righteous and He'll declare some unrighteous. What's the difference between the two? Jesus. It's Jesus. Unrighteousness is our state of what... Uh, a, here's the, that big theological word... Total depravity. Our unrighteousness is a state where we are in sin because of our sin. Before so many of you were redeemed, before you were declared righteous because of the only righteous one, You loved your sin. And even if you believed in a God, I promise it was just one that you fashioned in your own image. I think of of me. I know I don't look like it now, I guess, whatever that means. But I was a weird kid. You can ask Brooks. (laughs) And Miss Kim, and so many other ones here. Um, I was I was weird. Um, I still am, but a different kind. Um, <laughs> what are you laughing at, Kiefer? Uh, <laughs> uh, and I, I literally wore eyeliner. Yes, I wore man liner till I was twenty years old. <laughs> um, I liked to to study different religions. I like to to try to break things apart. I was raised Catholic, um, and I remember even at a young age realizing this is contradictory. Um, 
They profess one thing, they do another. They, they follow all these traditions that, that contradict the scripture that they're trying to teach. It just doesn't, all of it goes against each other. In fact, I, I actually remember, I don't remember how old I was, but I remember the point in time going, uh-uh. <laughs> the, the priest, I was in, I was in confirmation. Uh, it's the classes they do in, in it's called, it used to be called CCD. It's not called that anymore. It's called religious studies, I think now. But the priest was actually teaching us about church history, right? According to the Catholic Church. Uh, and he had a map up, and he was talking about all these different denominations uh, of Christendom. Uh, but his fo- fo- first focus was, was the Catholic Church and then the Eastern Orthodox split, okay? Which, yes, that happened. How it happened is not how the Catholic Church taught it, but whatever. Um, anyway, so it split, and then you have all these other things that happened during the Protestant Reformation, not to mention the Huguenots and all these other uh, different uh, professing Christians throughout history. Um, but he points to that one, and he, I'm looking at the map and how he said this stuff, and he goes, he, he, he said, we are the only holy and apostolic faith. And I'm looking at that map, and I went, even that's contradictory. <laughs> I was little. <laughs> I was little. But, but I faded out of that. I, I still went to Catholic Church. Uh, but I did all kinds of weird things, like I, I studied Wicca. I studied a bunch of different forms of paganism. I, I, I looked into Buddhism. I looked into Hinduism. There's nothing you could always find contradictions, like, so easy. Truth cannot contradict, or it's not truth. But what was crazy is somehow, and I think it was kind of like God always just like tugging at me. Some, for some reason, even, in, even when I was, Wicca, I thought was cool. You know, I was a weird kid. thought Wicca was cool. Um, but I would get scared about certain things, and, and I would try to put Jesus in the middle of it. I even found this weird thing called, called Christianic Wicca, which is a massive contradiction. <laughs> I was always sitting there hunting and, and desiring and making little gods that served what I wanted. What I thought I felt like I needed. I always had some kind of belief in a God. I just really didn't think it was the one the Christians believed. Because I saw so many that professed Christ and did nothing different except for my pops. And uh, there's so many of y'all that have heard this story over and over and over again. But my stepdad was the godliest man I ever met in my life. And I hated him. I absolutely hated that man. You know why I hated him? Because he convicted me. He showed me Christ in everything. Even when we would fight, he would show me Christ. He, he would say these things... 
I'm like, man, Larry, why are you so hard on me? He said, I'd say, man, you, you just want me to be perfect. And he would say these little phrases that would just cut you. And he'd go, no, I just want you to strive to be like the one it is. I came to faith not by some stupid emotional habit. I came to faith because I was trying to rub that in his face. I went through the Bible and I couldn't find one contradiction. I found things that seemed to be apparent contradictions that, that were like, whoa, I got one. I'm going to rub this one in Larry's face today. And then I would study a little harder, thinking I'm about to grab something that's going to really get him. And then I'd study and I'd be like, oh, that's not a contradiction. Scripture's so specific, so detailed that that narrow path, that, that very narrow, narrow path of truth, it can sometimes look like it overlaps because it's so specific. Those are called apparent contradictions. The Bible doesn't have contradictions. And you're going to have so many unbelievers attack you all the time, and I'm sure many of you have had that over and over and over again. But you know what the upside is? You can say there's no such thing as an atheist. You can, you can be soothed in your soul to know that you don't have to convince that person. Because why are they suppressing that truth? Are they suppressing it because they don't believe? Are they suppressing because they don't know? Nope. They're suppressing it because they're fallen. They're, they're suppressing it because they love their sin more than they love their Creator. And only one thing, one thing can fix that. You share the gospel. You share the fact that Jesus came. He paid the penalty that you're deserved, that I'm owed. You, you tell them that we've all fallen short of the glory, the holy righteousness of that one true creator. You show them that they're not the most important thing in this world. God is. You show them that everything, everything points to Jesus. Everything in history is about Jesus. It's about the fall. The fact that Adam disobeyed God. And in that disobedience, we fell. We became unrighteous, unrighteous. But God, it's always but God, chose to send His only Son. He chose to, to take His Word, make it flesh. He chose to not... not The King of Kings, y'all, was born in a barn. <laughs> he was born in a barn in Bethlehem, 
wrapped in, in, in swaddling cloth and laid in an animal feeding trough. He, he, he made, the king of kings made himself the lowliest of low. Suffered every temptation that you have ever been tempted. Scripture says he has been tempted in all of our temptations. He has dealt with what you have dealt with. So he can have compassion upon us. So he can sympathize with us. God didn't have to do that. What a lovely God. A God that created everything. The same God that created everything. That didn't have to talk to us. Didn't have to give us this. He didn't have to do any of it. But he chose to. For our glory. For our good. So that we can spend eternity at his feet. He brings us and gives us new life. Turns us away from our sin. That little baby lived a perfect life, then suffered and died on a Roman cross. Drowned on his own blood. Trying to gasp for air. And like I've told these kids a hundred times, that's not even the bad part. He drank the full wrath of every single sin that you have ever committed. You tell that atheist that. John 2, 2 says he died not only for our sins, us, the elect, those that believe. He says he died for all, the propitiation for all sins. All they have to do is turn and repent and believe. You share that gospel with them. Because, friends, there's no, no such thing as an atheist. You love on them. You show them what a real Christian is. You live your life in holiness, pursuing God in everything. Because if God wouldn't have used Larry, my pops, there's no telling if I would have ever believed. God used that tool, that man that lived that real Christian life. He used that. Y'all stand up for them. Be a real Christian. Show these young people who God is. Show them the grace of Christ. And tell them always, there's no such thing as an atheist. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you so much for bringing us here for giving us clarity of your word, making us understand your, your logic, your reason. Lord, you, you took all things, you wove them together. You gave us understanding. So many of your communicable attributes that you share with us, that you have, have graced us with you made us in your image you gave us dominion you gave us um, the ability to take care 
to serve, to love. But we fail that mark so much. We have sinned so many times. Lord, forgive us all. Lift us up, sanctify us more and more each day. Teach us to proclaim your message. Let us go out and make more disciples. Let us obey you in all that we do. So when the unbeliever looks in, they can't say they don't look different. They say they're indwelt by the Holy Spirit. That should look so different. Make it true in every single one of us. And send us out. In Jesus' holy name, amen. Um, a few announcements. Anybody got the, 